0: Joe Fortenbaugh and Amber Wilson with you. You can tweet to him at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can tweet to me at Amber W Sports. Joe and Amber is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio means that you can hit us up on the Dr. Pepper call online. 888-SAY-ESPN. We're presented by Progressive. Get a business insurance quote online in as little as six minutes. Visit ProgressiveCommercial.com. We have, of course, been covering the Damar Hamlin story all show long, and... Throughout the day, uh, across the platform Joe the most of the shows are basically all of the shows I think have gone full wall-to-wall in terms of DeMar Hamlin and we've gotten a lot of reaction from people around the National Football League from coaches from people who knew him from players I want to bring you some of that reaction but we have to start with one of his teammates because we now have heard from Dion Dawkins he is the bill he is on the Bills O-line there he was on SportsCenter just minutes ago he was asked where his thoughts are, Will, where his Bill's teammates' thoughts are right now. Here's Dion Dawkins.
1: Anything that we have to give is for
2: DeMar and his family. You know, we understand that we have a job and that this is still what it is, but every emotion, every bit of energy that we have, we're giving it to DeMar. You know, we're giving it to his family, we're, and we're giving it to his best friends, and, and we're giving it to guys like Dane and Trey, and, and and those DBs like that are closest with him, and uh, and we're giving them all of that love, cause those guys need it as as well as the other rooms too. But but like all of his guys need it, his parents, his father, uh, they all need it, and that's all that we have to give, and we're giving it all to the family, and we're not worried about and nothing else
0: that's a brotherhood there you know how close those guys are you always here because we work Joe and I work with a ton of former professional athletes you always hear from these guys that played in the league forever that there is nothing like that that brotherhood that camaraderie across sports frankly because you spend so much time with each other I mean so much more than most of us ever spend in any of our careers with our colleagues and with our co-workers so for them I mean we often feel like we're a family here at ESPN for them they are truly a family they 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 are on the road together. They are in each other's lives to a different extent than most of us can even understand. I mean, you will hear professional athletes say, I spent more time with my teammates than I ever did with my own family during those years that I was playing. And so you can imagine how broken these guys are over this.
2: And it's why it makes complete sense. And it's why it's completely understandable when you hear those comments to think to yourself that there's absolutely no way that game could have continued. There's no way that game could have been rescheduled this week. These guys go through something that we couldn't possibly understand. They're all assuming the risk of a catastrophic injury out there. Those are just the facts. You know, anytime you want to complain about whether or not a guy didn't deliver for your fantasy team, whether or not a guy makes too much money, understand what they go through and the risk they have to take to take the field, they know what they're getting themselves into. I, I thought Ryan Clark said it perfectly last night when he was talking with Scott Van Pelt. I thought those two put on an absolute masterclass in both broadcasting, in empathy, in compassion. I thought the way Susie Kolber and Adam Schefter and Booger McFarland handled the situation as it was unfolding in real time was just bravo is all I can say to that mm-hmm. because it is a very difficult situation, and that's broadcasting. That's just doing what we're doing right now, talking about it. Mm -hmm. They're doing it in real time. Imagine being the players on the field watching their brother go through that. Again, go back to what you watched last night. We saw a camera angle from far away showing players in an ambulance on the field while Joe Buck was giving us some updates. Those guys were right there forming a human wall so that no one could see what was happening because we later found out they were administering CPR to him on the field. That's not going to be something that leaves your mind anytime soon, which is exactly why Dawkins is talking about how every ounce of energy from those players is going towards Hamlin's family.
0: Yeah. All, all Deion Dawkins just said, all of their energy, all of their focus is on Hamlin and on Hamlin's family and those closest to Hamlin. Certainly not the voice of somebody who is at all worried or concerned or even thinking about the fact that they have a matchup against the New England Patriots on Sunday. So we'll see how that ends up being handled by the Buffalo Bills. Herm Edwards, ESPN's football analyst. He was on first take today, of course, longtime coach there. He was asked, When you're a coach in this situation, and Joe and I discussed earlier the job that Zach Taylor and Sean McDermott did last night, the leadership that they showed, how beautifully, frankly, they handled such an atrocious and difficult moment. So Herm was asked, if you're in that situation as a coach, what do you even say to players after something like this?
1: There's no game plan for this. There's no script.
2: You know, as a football coach, um, there's, there's always a script. There's always something you can say. Uh, you watch what happens, you gather the information, you go to the sideline, you tell the players, look, we're going to adjust, we're going to have to do this. Whether it's during the game, at halftime, uh, in preparation to a game, when the game's over, going into next week, how you want to do things, um, this, is, uh, this is on nobody's play calling sheet. And when you watch it unfold in real time, uh, and I've been involved in this league for you know, playing football and coaching football for 55 years, uh, this is very sobering.
0: You've heard that from a lot of people, Joe, over the last 24 hours where you've heard people say, I mean, not even fully 24 hours yet, right? You've heard people say, I've been involved in football for 30 years or 50 years or 20 years, and I've never, ever seen anything like this. Booger McFarland was talking on the broadcast last night in real time. Football players break bones, right? And and they even have concussions, and they suffer terrible injuries, certainly but it's part of the game to them, right? But this, this seems different. This you don't expect to watch your, your teammate on the field getting CPR for minutes on end, going through what we now know from the Bills officially was, in fact, cardiac arrest at just 24 years old. That's not something that I think even in that world, even with the assumption of the risk, that frankly you're ever prepared for. So there's no guidebook for Zach Taylor or for Sean McDermott, what they say now to their teams that were there witnessing it and living it on that field. There's no playbook for how to move forward.
2: Coaches, captains, leaders, when confronted with something like this, you boil it down to its most basic element, which is compassion for the human being. Mm -hmm. That's it. You don't worry at all about whether or not the game's going to continue. You don't worry about playoff seating. You don't worry about the flight home, logistical issues, things of that nature. You just boil it down to the player, to your brother, to the individual who's going through something that you couldn't possibly comprehend. Sean McDermott, Zach Taylor, the Buffalo Bills, the Cincinnati Bengals, they did a phenomenal job with that last night. You didn't see anyone fighting, trying to get back out on the field. You didn't see... A situation amongst the fans in attendance, yelling, screaming, booing, none of that. Absolutely none of it. In fact, every report that came out of Cincinnati for any fan that was there talked about people locking arms. Mm -hmm. Bills fans and Bengals fans coming together, saying prayers. The compassion, the empathy, that's what you would want to see in a moment like that. As trying as it is, everyone in attendance and everyone on those sidelines figured out that it came down to just one thing and that was the health in the safety of DeMar Hamlin.
0: Yeah, these are two teams, of course, conference rivals playing for a one seed in the AFC, a game that was supposed to be the game of the season. And yet in that moment, all of that got pushed aside, all of it. And those fans of the opposing teams showed their humanity. They showed up to UC Medical Center uh, after the game. Once they did leave the stadium, uh, Bills fans, Bengals fans, they were all there holding vigils, praying together, uh, an incredible, incredible showing of support that clearly was so much bigger than sports last night. Joe and Amber is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Coming up here. There are other happenings around the world of sports. So while our minds are always going to be on DeMar Hamlin and bringing you updates the second we get them on the Hamlin situation, we're going to talk some hoops when we come back because the Bucks and Celtics, they're both in action tonight, but are either of those teams the best team in the East? That's next. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio.
1: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile the original online jeweler since 1999 that's blue to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion blue
0: joe and amber on ESPN Radio. You will be able to hear us in this time slot Monday through Friday 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Amber Wilson and Joe Fortenbaugh. We thank you for listening to us. This is our new show. You can hit us up on the Dr. Pepper call in line 888-SAY-ESPN. That is 888-729-3776. So we have been talking about the tragedy that happened last night on that field in Cincinnati with DeMar Hamlin all show long. The latest that we got from Jeremy Fowler earlier in our show and you you can check out the podcast on the ESPN app if you missed anything. The latest we got from Jeremy Fowler is, in fact, that the family has updated that there has been some improvement there in Hamlin's condition, that he is needing less oxygen. He was at 100% oxygen. Now he's at about 50%. So we're getting towards a point of maybe him being able to breathe better on his own here. If we get any more updates on Hamlin's condition or anything else as it relates to the Bills, the Bengals, the NFL, I, of course, will – immediately cut into whatever else we're discussing and bring that information to you. But Joe, there are other things happening around the world of sports. So we're going to take a hiatus there from football. We are going to talk a little hoops here right now, the Milwaukee bucks and the Washington wizards underway wizards up five, four, uh, very early in the first quarter in this game, Milwaukee bucks are a team that was streaking. They've been streaky right back and forth. There's another team though, in the Brooklyn Nets sitting, just above that Bucks team in the Eastern Conference standings, that is a streak in only one way. And it's been streaking that way for the last, what, 12 games we're at now with these Brooklyn Nets that just don't feel like losing any game. So let's start here with the Brooklyn Nets. Now, Joe, I've heard this before, right, that these Nets, they're streaking. They're going to get it done we've gotten excited about this before in seasons i will say this and i say this as somebody who very much dislikes the brooklyn nets as a miami heat fan (laughs) feels a little different now i will say this like i'm a little worried it feels a little different this season
2: it should feel different because we have in the four years that kevin durant has been with the brooklyn nets been waiting for this year one Toss it aside. Durant came in with the Achilles injury. We knew nothing was going to happen there. But years two and years three, they were supposed to be something special. They were supposed to be contenders. And they showed us a little bit of that in the second season and then completely fell apart in season three. The Harden experiment was a disaster. You couldn't get Ben Simmons on the floor in the playoffs and you got swept out by the Boston Celtics to which end? People completely checked out on you. You became a laughing stock, quite frankly, with all the drama you brought to the table, combined with the lack of production when it came in comparison to your expectations. But no more, no more. Steve Nash was the head coach of this team for the first seven games. They went two and five, and they fired him. Jacques Vaughn took over, and since that time, Brooklyn is twenty-three and seven. They're currently on a twelve-game winning streak. They've won 16 of 17, and they're doing it on the one end of the floor that no one ever expected, which is the defense. During those first seven games of the season, Brooklyn ranked 29th in defensive rating. They were abysmal, and they were abysmal on defense last year. But since Jacques Vaughn took over, they are fourth in the NBA in defensive rating. They have been fantastic to go along with an offense that can get buckets in buckets, led by Kevin Durant, who I believe is fifth right now or sixth, when it comes to nba mvp odds so it's boston's conference until further notice they've got the best record they've got an incredible offense they've got the top point differential in the conference but this might finally be the year brooklyn is fully legit and do you know why not because of the stats i just read off because we're not hearing about any drama we're not hearing about kyrie irving we're not hearing about ben simmons the only time the nets come up in conversation is when they're winning Nothing else. And the biggest problem in the past has been we talked about them for every reason other than what they were doing on the court. Now, we're only talking about what they're doing on the court. And that should worry the rest of the Eastern Conference.
0: Just keep it simple, right? Like we're finally at a place where the Brooklyn Nets feel like they're keeping it simple. And all that means is that they're actually just playing basketball, like you said. Because we've seen before in snippets. Kevin Durant, the production we've seen, of course, Kyrie Irving, the production I'm talking about in Brooklyn Nets uniforms. Obviously, we've seen it a ton previously in their careers, but we've seen it in snippets together on the court in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. We would always get excited about it and then enter some sort of distraction off the court, which is what we've gotten accustomed to now over these years that we have been doing this experiment with the Brooklyn Nets since KD joined Brooklyn. Right now, those guys lead Brooklyn in points in all three of their games last week. It, it's it's going according to plan. Joe. Like This is how it should be. Your superstars are playing like superstars. Everybody else, all your role players are stepping up. And no one's distracted by any of the drama off the court. You seem to have a head coach that's able to kind of keep it all together. And most importantly, I think from that perspective. Now, I do think there's these reports out there like Jock Vaughn hasn't spoken to Ben Simmons yet about his shooting. He hasn't spoken to him about his free throws. Like there are things nobody needs like to speak that. to Simmons
2: about his shooting. That's a lost cause. Nothing's going to happen there ever.
0: There are things like that that I'm expecting. It's I agree with you, but I do wonder like, are we going to go back to those conversations at some point here? Cause I could see that coming. But even that, even the shooting conversation around Simmons, it's not the same as the drama that we were experiencing with the Nets the last couple seasons off the court. Like, I am willing to have another boring Simmons shooting conversation because at this point, those conversations, I agree with. Like, that, that is just a swing and a miss. I mean, we all need to move past it. But what I'm glad that we're not doing for that team is having to discuss all the problems that have nothing to do with basketball and credit to Vaughn. It seems like for now, anyways, they've stabilized those problems. I'm still going to be, a little bit reserved here in believing it, though, because we've seen well, this Yeah, this streak
2: is 30 games. 30 games does not a season make. Two points to what you just brought up. Number one, Jacques Vaughn not talking to Ben Simmons about his shooting. That's just good coaching. Don't even go over there. <laughs> if you're going to have a conversation with him about shooting, the only conversation is this. Don't shoot. Don't shoot when you're close to the rim. Don't shoot when you're far away from the rim. We've just got Kevin bother. Durant, who might just be the best bother. bucket getter of all time. We got Kyrie Irving, who can score as well. Number two, perhaps more importantly, what I wanted to ask you, as a Miami Heat fan, what's wrong with your boys? They don't oh, look no, good. We're
0: not. Listen. Well, first of all, they, they've they've improved here the last ten games. So we don't need to get into the Heat because this
2: participation trophies.
0: Uh, yeah. Well, listen. Exactly. I, I'm seed. not. But they are. Like, they're trending the right direction. It's possible. Uh, yes. It, things have been ugly this season for my Miami Heat. I mentioned their. KD and the production lately Durant right now ranks sixth in points per game and in the top three in total points that is behind Luka Doncic who Boy, can that man play basketball. That and guy's a cyborg.
2: That that guy, those recovery beers are something else. I they mean, really that, are. I could use a couple recovery beers right now <laughs> based on what he's been pulling off. He, he is putting up games that Wilt Chamberlain didn't put up. Mm-hmm. Wilt Chamberlain used to be the statistical anomaly that everyone was judged by. Well, so-and-so went 25, 20, and 18 last night. Hasn't been done since Wilt Chamberlain. Hasn't been done since Wilt Chamberlain. Hasn't been done since Wilt Chamberlain. Luca put up that game the other night. Chamberlain had never done that. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that before.
0: I haven't seen anything like that before either. Now that, uh, so KD's right behind Luca and, 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 right behind Jason Tatum as well right now the Celtics it's my segue Joe that's how you do it in radio the Celtics right She's now pro. are playing the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, 16 to 15 right now C's leading the way we are early in the first quarter in that game as well the Nets are the hottest team in the NBA the Celtics though they've been the best team in the NBA this season so far
2: They've been incredible. They got off to a hot start. They've slowed down a little bit since, but they've got a plus 6.2 point differential. A lot of people don't care for the math. What that tells us is one thing and one thing only. No one's beating the opposition worse than the Boston Celtics are, and that is a very true indicator of how good your talent is. They've been fantastic. They've taken their offense to another level this season. We know they have defensive stoppers. I think a lot of people thought with the coaching drama of the offseason that you were going to find a team that maybe came out slow. Nothing but. They've been all gas, no breaks. Question is whether or not they spent too much early because they have had a few missteps here. That's the type of thing a lot of us can just shake off. You can put it to the side and say it gets mixed up into the schedule. It's barely January, but something to watch as the year goes on because Brooklyn's surging, Milwaukee's going nowhere. You can't get rid of Cleveland. They've been fantastic Mm -hmm. this season. Spider was 71 last night. And then, of course, there's the Sixers who are destined to lose in the second round. (laughs)
0: Uh yes. I, I concur with you there. Uh the Celtics if I was just looking at the Celtics and what happened here this season I think coaching doesn't matter in the NBA, right? Like anybody who's the coach as long Ooh. as you have the players. Except for the Brooklyn Nets would tell a different story. With right. Jock Vaughn it's because apparently where that coaching does. Just went. Right? I mean, apparently coaching does matter. It just depends on the organization, but it's been pretty remarkable that the Celtics coming off of the off, you know, the off-season coming off of the loss there of Udoka that they were able to just pick up right where they left off and Jason Tatum looks even better this season coming up next we go back to the NFL we're going to talk some Packers this is Joe and Amber hey it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the
1: Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels so whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today your savings are waiting
0: Go to your happy place for a happy
1: price. Go to your happy price,
0: Priceline. You're listening to Joe and Amber, Amber Wilson, Joe Fortenbaugh here with you. Tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. It is that simple. I don't know what that was, Joe, uh, but we have been Delfideful. talking. I was, I guess, I, I'm not quite sure. Oh. There's music as well. Uh, so, we have been talking all show long, of course, about the situation with DeMar Hamlin, who collapsed on the field last night in Cincinnati. The 24 year old, right now, is at UC Medical Center in critical condition. We will bring you any updates that we have. We did speak to Jeremy Fowler, ESPN's NFL senior reporter, earlier in the show. He shared. That the family had released information that Hamlin's condition is improving some in terms of his oxygen intake. So that is some good news there. As we get updates on the Hamlin situation, whether from the family, whether from the NFL, whether from the Bills or the Bengals, we will certainly bring it to you the second that we get it. But there's some other stories even around the NFL, to discuss here, Joe. The Green Bay Packers, they got a little help uh, from, it seems like, the NFL, at least in terms of scheduling. We have learned that their regular season finale against the Detroit Lions will take place at Lambeau Field Sunday night at 8.20 p.m. Eastern. It will be the last game of Week 18 of the regular season. Both the Packers and Lions are sitting at 8-8. Eight and eight. Green Bay needs... No other help to clinch a wild card spot. They're in if they win. Detroit needs a little help from their friends. They need Seattle to lose to the Rams because that game is going to be played, Joe, at 4.30, roughly 4.25 p.m. Eastern. It'll be over before the Packers-Lions kick off. So they're going to know whether they were eliminated from the playoffs or not and whether this game means anything before they even take on this Packers team that will be playing for everything.
2: It's a joke of a scheduling spot. It's an absolute joke of a scheduling spot. The entire reason why you don't list times for the week 18 schedule is because there are no times until you figure out which games matter and which games don't. And when you assess the games that matter, you make sure you stack them up in the same time windows so that no one has a competitive advantage. And yet here we are in a situation where if you're a Lions fan, you should be absolutely furious Because when, not if, but when the Seahawks take out the Rams, you will be eliminated from the postseason without even having a chance to take out the Packers at Lambeau Field. It's a great spot for the Packers because Detroit could come out extremely flat. Now, I was talking about this the other day, and then immediately, no, it's a divisional rival. The Lions will still show up to take out the Packers. No, they won't. They absolutely won't. You don't fight this hard for this long to get into this position to watch someone else win so that you're eliminated from contention. The smart move here, not from a financial perspective, but from a competitive perspective, would have been to take in the Jaguars and the Titans And shove them in the Sunday night football. Because if you do that, everyone else can play at a competitive spot. Those two, the loser is out, the winner is in. That's it. It doesn't have any effect on anything. The winner wins the division, the loser is out. That's the move. I mean, it's
0: for everything, but it just affects
2: those two teams. Nobody else is affected by what the Jaguars and Titans are doing. Just like every year when we see them on Thursday night football, we all say, I am not watching this matchup. I'm tired of this matchup. And we all tune in anyway. This is the network's. This is the networks flexing their influence because they spend a ton of money on the product. And I understand it. If I'm in charge of Sunday night football, Monday night football, Thursday night football, any of them, I'm doing the exact same thing. But if you're a Lions fan, you got to be furious right now because that spot is absolutely brutal.
0: If this ain't the story of the Packers season here, over the last four weeks, right? Where they continuously seem to find themselves in a position that was unfathomable just a month and a half ago, where we thought the Packers were completely dead inside the division. And then they got a whole lot of help from a whole lot of teams to get to the place that they're at now, where all they have to do is win this game against Detroit and they're in. And now they find themselves in even the better position where they may be playing an opponent that knows that they have nothing less left to play for. And I, I tend to agree with you. I don't know if I can make an argument the Lions are going to get up for that game if they know that they're out of playoff contention, I mean, could you say, okay, well, you know, Goff has had a surprising season, and everybody there, it's a rebuilding team, and so they're well on their way, and everybody still has something to play for in terms of their careers, and in terms of that component of this? I have a hard time, though, imagining that any of that comes down to a Week 8 team game, frankly, like when you're evaluating the quarterback position, for example. Are we going to move forward with Goff as our guy? None of that really comes down to one game against the Packers. It's hard to imagine I'm with you, that they're going to be motivated for this game if, in fact, they're already eliminated by the 4.30 p.m. game.
2: Yeah, and compounding the issue is that golf stinks in cold weather. That's not an opinion. That's fact. If you go back through his history, when the weather drops below a certain threshold – I don't know if it's 40 degrees or 35 degrees or whatever it is, but it's going to be 20 at Lambeau. And I know that's lower than the threshold. He plays terrible in those games. He just had one of those not too long ago at Carolina where they lost that game to the Panthers. They didn't play particularly well. He was at the forefront of that. He's had a great season. He has had an absolutely fantastic bounce back season, but his entire career, he has performed very poorly in cold weather. He's a Marin Marin County kid from the Bay Area. He went to Cal. He played for the Rams. Now he's with the Detroit Lions. Thankfully for him, they play indoors, but he does not play well in cold weather. Maybe he has the anomaly game this weekend, but ultimately, here's how it's going to play out. I'm going to save everyone a whole lot of time, okay? Seattle beats the Rams, which eliminates the Lions. We go to Sunday Night Football, the Packers beat the Lions. Afterwards, Aaron Rodgers takes the podium, gives everyone a big speech about how you never should have doubted him, how everyone <laughs> – he heard what everyone in the so media true. was saying. He heard it. He knew. He became a great leader. He rallied them. And everyone's going to say maybe we were wrong about Ra. And right before you finish that sentence, you're going to watch them go to San Francisco Mm -hmm. in the playoffs and and get beat by the Niners for like the eighth time in nine years. Because every time Rodgers faces the Niners in the playoffs, it does not end well for him. Just look at last year as an example. And then I think if you go back two, three years ago when the Niners had to get to the Super Bowl, they waxed him in the NFC Championship game and on and on down the line. So Rodgers will have his moment on Sunday, and it will be quickly taken away from him the following week in the Bay Area.
0: And Packers fans will be all up in my mentions because they have (laughs) been unbelievably upset with me coming off of my last couple first-take appearances from yesterday and from last week as well. But I've gone in on this Packers team because of all the help that they've gotten. Now they get a little bit more help here from the NFL scheduling. So you're right. The Packers are probably going to find themselves in a postseason. My mentions are going to blow up, and then they're going to lose because everyone saw that coming, right? The whole, you know, Aaron Rodgers getting knocked out by Brock Purdy's team as we enter a yeah. postseason here—pretty remarkable. if Mister Irrelevance team knocks out the reigning MVP's team. That would be quite. We got to stop calling him that
2: too. We got to stop calling him Mister Irrelevant because no, he's literally it. more relevant than almost anyone in the league right now. If
0: I'm him, I'm rocking with that forever. Though it's the, it is the best story you will. Eclipse Tom Brady, Brock, if you can do this. If you go win a Super Bowl with that team, I, I know Brady has seven of them. If oh, yeah, you go right. win a Easy. Super Bowl with that Easy. team, you went from Mr. Irrelevant. There's never been a starter at that position in the NFL who was Mr. Irrelevant. And now we're gonna go from Mr. Irrelevant to Super Bowl winning most relevant. That would be the that would that would be Rudy. That would be, I mean, sports films would be living off of that storyline for decades to come. That is motion picture blockbuster type stuff.
2: Yeah, but unlike Rudy, it could be real. Rudy, uh, they (laughs) took some liberties with how that situation played Uh, out at the end. It makes for a great movie, not necessarily how it played out in real life, but you're right. And the Niners find themselves in an incredible situation because if they handle their business this weekend, they grab the two seed, which means, yes, they have to play opening weekend. You take out the Packers. Then the next week, instead of hitting the road like you would have a few weeks ago until you put together this incredible winning streak you're now going to get a home game you handle your business there and then if you go to philadelphia while you will be an underdog philadelphia is banged up they look sloppy right now your defense is the best in the business your offense has found a way to score philly's defense has played one tough game all year it was dallas and they got shredded for 40 so there's a reason the niners not the eagles are the favorites to win the nfc right now
0: Nobody's making a movie anytime soon about my Miami Dolphins. Certainly not this version of the Miami Dolphins. They did well, with Ace
2: Ventura. That's
0: true. And that's what we got. Uh, we got we got Ace Ventura and Dolphins. And that's that's it. Like an actual Dolphins. Like in a tank. Uh, so yeah. And, and him talking to Dolphins. You know what I mean. The point is... <laughs> that nobody's making a new blockbuster film about the Miami Dolphins because the wheels have fallen off uh, in terms of this season. They're heading into a must-win game now against the New York Jets. They still could make a postseason. It seems unlikely because... We got the word today from head coach Mike McDaniel that he's not even thinking about preparing Tua Tungvaloa to be under center in that game against the New York Jets, that all that matters there is to his health as he is right now in concussion protocol once again this season. It appears, though that it might end up being seventh-round pick Skylar Thompson. This is not the story that San Francisco is getting out of their Mr. Irrelevant. Okay, Skylar Thompson, not quite the story for the Miami Dolphins. Teddy Bridgewater, of course, is the backup there. He is the two. He got injured in the game against the New England Patriots. Thompson has to come in, play the rest of the game because Teddy – broke his finger early in that game. So he is preparing, Mike McDaniel said today, the coach that he is preparing both Bridgewater and Thompson to go. We don't actually know who's going to get the start and if Teddy can even throw now with a broken finger next week in a game that the Miami Dolphins absolutely have to win. And by the way, Joe, my Miami Dolphins have not won a game all season long with somebody under center, not named Tua Tagovailoa.
2: I don't... It seems like every time Tua doesn't play and Bridgewater does, I look up on the screen and I see Bridgewater leaving the field and going mm-hmm. back to the locker room. Yep, yep. I, he he can't get through a game. He can't stay it's, healthy. It's, and now you're going to turn the time. The saving grace for the Miami Dolphins right now is that they're playing a team in the New York Jets, who very well could be one, two, three Cancuning it when mm-hmm. we get to the weekend. Because they have completely fallen apart. That disaster in Seattle last weekend, you don't win that game, that's one thing. But to get embarrassed like that on both sides of the ball throughout the entire course of the game has all the makings of a team that has completely packed it in on their season. Now maybe they show up, maybe they rally, maybe they try to go out on a good note knowing they don't have any more games to play finish strong, and then enjoy your vacations. But that's the saving grace for Miami, is that they might be playing an opponent this weekend that couldn't care less about taking the field.
0: Yeah, I know you're trying to make me feel better about it. Uh, I I don't feel great about it, frankly, uh, no matter what the Jets are going to put out there against the Dolphins just because of the way things have gone. I mean, the Dolphins entered December with an 8-3 and record. They have since lost five straight games. They lose to New England on Sunday. I said going into that game, they should be able to beat that Patriots team with Bridgewater. I think they would have. Had Bridgewater been able to stay under center there, they still had an opportunity to beat that Patriots team, even with Thompson towards the end. But, man, death taxes in the entire quarterback room for the Miami Dolphins being injured all at the same time. Now they have to beat the New York Jets, and they need the Patriots to lose to the Buffalo Bills this week in order to make a postseason. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber, does Jim Harbaugh really want to go back to the NFL? We're going to talk about that next. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio, and check us out on the ESPN app. Joe and Amber is presented to you by Progressive Insurance our first show Joe officially we have taken over this time slot we said get out of here Jason Fitz we've taken it over go down to 12 to 3 Fitz and Harry debuted as well today from 12 to 3 Eastern they will be on Monday through Friday Joe and I will be here 7 to 9 Eastern Monday through Friday every day hanging out with you guys and uh first show so far Joe you haven't quit on me yet good sign no
2: no, shockingly, I, I didn't give myself a whole lot of leeway here. I figured maybe an hour, I'll have had enough. I'll just walk <laughs> off and we'll make a very dramatic exit. But no, I'm very much enjoying your company, Amber Wilson. You're doing a fantastic job. Uh, we're going to close out strong here, and then I'll reassess going into tomorrow.
0: Okay, good. Well, we'll hope that Joe shows up tomorrow for the show, because we'll be back here again at 7 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. But let's get into Jim Harbaugh. And by the way, before we do, we have been talking, of course, about Damar Hamlin. All show long. If you missed any of that, please check out the podcast on the ESPN app. And if there is an update that we can bring you here. At any point, we will absolutely break into anything that we're talking about and bring you an update on his condition. We did hear earlier in the show from Jeremy Fowler that DeMar Hamlin's family has released information that his condition is at least improving to some extent in terms of the amount of oxygen that he needs. So that's very good news. We'll bring you updates if we have any. But let's talk about some college football here because Joe Jim Harbaugh, Back to the NFL, maybe. I feel like it's a story we talk about every single season. Well, now there's reports out there that if Harbaugh is offered an NFL job, that he's going to take it. Then we've heard now that Panthers owner David Tepper had a conversation with Jim Harbaugh about the opening in Carolina, that they're going to have an opening there, of course, for their head coaching position once the season ends for them. The chat was not characterized as an interview sources told David Newton, but it feels a little bit like maybe there's some interest there. I feel like we do this dance every single year when Michigan wraps things up and now we're dancing again. So it's
2: one of three things right now. Number one, it's either Harbaugh using the Panthers to get more money out of Michigan. Number two, it's Harbaugh legitimately interested in the Panthers job and getting ready to negotiate with Carolina about their opening. Or number three It's Harbaugh using the Panthers and eventually Michigan to negotiate for another opening around the NFL. Perhaps maybe the Denver Broncos are somewhere in between. So it's one of those three things, but Harbaugh is an absolute genius. I don't know if he realizes it or not because it doesn't seem like it at times, but he has put himself in a position where every single year he is able to go back to Michigan or wherever he is and essentially say, Pay me more money. Mm -hmm. Pay me more money or someone else will. It feels like it happens every single year, like you said. And that's because the guy has won everywhere. Now, I know when you hear that, you'll say, well, he's never won a championship. No, he has not. But you know what? You get one champion a year. And if you're not that one champion, the only thing you want is a credible program. Go talk to some of these other schools around the country. Go talk to Cal, who had Sunny Dykes and couldn't do anything with them. Go talk to Penn State, who would love to be just one game more relevant so they could get into the playoff. Go talk to Wisconsin. Go talk to Oregon State. Go talk to the Seminoles right now and Florida State. You want to be relevant, and Harbaugh won at San Diego. Harbaugh won at Stanford. Harbaugh won with the Niners. And now Harbaugh's winning with Michigan. He's had them in the playoff two years in a row. Should they have beaten TCU? Probably. They were an eight-point favorite. But regardless, he gets the job done whether you like him or not. And now he's in that classic off-season dance where he can try to extract more cash. Outstanding work by Harbaugh. Like I said, I don't even know if he, that was all part of the master plan, but somehow he finds himself in this dance every single year.
0: Uh, he keeps winning, even if Michigan doesn't win ultimately. When it comes to these college football playoffs, they got bounced, of course, there in the semis, fifty-one to forty-five to TCU as TCU and the Horned Frogs head to a national championship against the Bulldogs. We got the Horned Frogs and the Bulldogs in a national championship there, no but That means, uh, right? Uh, that means that Jim's season is over. There is his career over in Michigan now. He did sign a new five-year contract in the beginning of 2022 back in February. That deal runs through 2026. It gave Harbaugh a one-year extension With new terms from the contract that he had signed the previous year in January. So, Harbaugh keeps signing new contracts with Michigan that get longer and get bigger because, of course, this, because of this, like you said, because of the pressure that he can continuously put on Michigan. Now, we know some years ago his seat was a little bit hot. I think he, at one point, even took a bit of a discount. There ain't no discount no more because the truth is, like you said, he's coveted at that coaching position. Doesn't matter if Michigan gets knocked out. He's still going to have suitors around the National Football League. Certainly he'd have them around college football as well if he was ever interested in leaving Michigan on that level. But what I think's interesting about this is I thought that – maybe Harbaugh would consider leaving if he won it all like he, he gets everything done at Michigan that he was hired to do he wins a national championship now you can get excited if you're a Broncos fan or a Carolina Panthers fan I didn't think there was any chance that Harbaugh would lose to TCU I mean not even in the national championship but lose to TCU a team that they were supposed to beat. like you said eight points there they were favored by I think according to our friends at Caesars and then decide that he's accomplished it all and go back to the NFL. I'm surprised about that.
2: First of all, the way you say TCU was such disgust. I Well, hope you don't plan I, which on is going funny because I, I was
0: rooting so. for TCU. I mean, give the me way the you story. Say it, give he me loses the Cinder
2: to TCU. Because I
0: feel like Harbaugh was hired to accomplish a goal, and frankly, we're behind schedule. I mean, I, it's nice, but like that he's TCU's, made the semis TCU's a couple seasons.
2: shrapnel in your in your the grenade you're lobbing at Harbaugh. I think another interesting point None to what you're had bringing up. We the Frogs
0: in this before the season. We all had Michigan in this.
2: <laughs> I think the, the one of the interesting points to think about with Harbaugh, I mean, he's got plenty of money, but I mean, you could always negotiate for more, right? What does the current state of college football mean to him? The NIL, name, image, likeness, right? Like there is a way of doing business. And now there's a different way of doing business. He was there multiple times, San Diego, Stanford, and Michigan, pre-NIL. And now that he sees how this works, where the transfer portal has become something completely different than what it started out as, you wonder if he thinks to himself, you know what? I'd rather have the stability of the NFL. And by stability, I don't mean job stability. Stability of the, I wake up at this time. I show up, we do the job, we go home. We're professionals. College feels like it never ends. It feels like these guys never get a minute to themselves because they always have to be recruiting. They always Mm -hmm. have to be scouring the portal. And I wonder if maybe he wants a little bit more stability in the NFL from a time and lifestyle perspective.
0: I mean, the recruiting is the job in college. It's what makes it so different from the NFL. It ain't just X's and O's or game planning. I mean, that's secondary to the recruiting. And the recruiting now is so much more complicated, frankly, in the landscape of NIL and navigating that. So I would imagine that's all going to be part of his consideration when he's deciding whether he stays at Michigan. But like Joe said earlier, maybe this is just Harbaugh with really good negotiation skills. And all of this is fool's gold. This has been Joe and Amber. We're going to talk more tomorrow. Joe's showing up.